You're listening to the podcast of The Branch in Ashland, Virginia. When I embark on something old or new, I generally keep a running list in my head of the things that I need. And I like to make sure that I'm prepared and ready for what's coming down the pike. As many people dive into a new year of school and as we enter into the fall season, we take some time today to look at where the church began in the book of Acts. What were the things that distinguished it? What were the commitments that the church made to God and to each other in their partnership together? As we walk through these commitments, I hope it's a good refreshing reminder of who God's called us to be and the mission that the church is on in the world. You know, as I get older, um, I realize the things that I'm good at and the things that I'm not so good at. I, I focus is not a great strength of mine. And so, I, you know, I feel like as I get older, too, though, uh, I'm in a, a funnel. And if you look at a funnel, it's pretty wide at the top. But as you go deeper, it gets a little bit more confined, more uh, restricted or or more focused, and and I think as I get older, I'm realizing that um, I need that time, that kind of constriction, like a like a funnel, to get me looking at um, just a few things. I I've always prided myself in being uh, a jack of all trades and a master of none, but multitasking will only take you so far before you feel like you're moving in a thousand different directions, none of which are. <laughs> are super good. And so I've come to this place where I've realized that I think one of the things that it's good to do is just kind of come back again, have that um, almost like tunnel vision once in a while to get refocused on where you're going, what you're focusing on. I've heard that term over the last couple of weeks, stay in your lane. Thankfully, no one said it to me, um, and it wasn't driving. But I mean, from a a standpoint of um, are you staying in your lane, are you focusing on the things that you're supposed to be focusing on, or are you kind of all over the place and not really um, specific to uh, a certain task? You know, we just finished last week here at the branch our series through the book of Exodus, watching the people of God as they wandered and as God would provide for them and they would continue to um, be stiff-necked people as God called them and wander away. And even after God reminded them of the important things, they would still go and find their own way again. Um, All this being said, as we jump into the fall and we think about um, getting back to some kind of normalcy in our lives, at least in finding a rhythm of things, with schedule, with activities, with work, with school, I think it's a good idea to be reminded of who the church is and what the church's responsibility, what the church's focus is, almost looking again at the bottom of that funnel and getting more restricted to say, hey, are we staying in our lane as the church? And I don't mean just the branch, but I mean the local expression of God's body, of his hands and feet in the world. Are we staying in our lane and focusing on what we're supposed to be focusing on? I've said it many times, and I'll continue to say it, that, that God could have grown his kingdom in many different ways 
but he chose the church to be the expression of his hands and feet and to be the mechanism by which the gospel went out into the world. You know, if, if you're talking about efficiency experts, they would probably say, what on earth was God thinking? Because um, it doesn't always seem the most efficient and effective way, but that's exactly what God chose in order to proclaim the message of the cross, the message of the gospel, that we are all de- desperately in need of a savior. God knew what he was doing despite what we might think. And as we step into kind of a relaunch into the fall, into a somewhat normal routine of things, I, I want us today to, to consider um, five commitments that, that in the early church, as the early church was started in the book of Acts, they looked at and we see it there in the things that they were committed to. You know, when I worked in uh, engineering and construction, one of the things that was so vital and important for us were, were the, the plans, the documents, especially when you went to construction, you would constantly go back to those documents, to those drawings to say, are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? Are, are we in line with what's on paper? And sure, there were changes here and there, but for the most part, that was the thing that grounded you back to whether you're heading in the right direction, whether you're staying in your lane, whether you're focused on what you're supposed to be focused on. And I think the book of Acts overall is a really good picture for us of um, what the church is, why God chose the church to do what the church does, and then um, again, remind us of whether or not we're focusing on what we're supposed to be focusing on. So if you have a a Bible, we're just going to look at a few verses in the book of Acts, the second chapter of Acts, reading in the New International Version. That's what's on the screen. If you have a different version, that's fine. There may be a few words that are different. If you have an app, just scroll up, um, and you should be able to change the version there. But starting in uh, verse 42 of the second chapter of Acts, we read, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What were the things that the church committed themselves to? As we look at just these short verses, and have things changed that dramatically for us here in the 21st century? Here we're looking at the first century when, when God established the church, but how much is different for us? And if, if they are different, then what's different? And if they aren't different, then, then are we really living into these commitments? And so thinking about commitments, the first commitment I think that the people in, in the book of Acts show is the commitment of gathering together. Now, it's been a weird couple of years now in, in regards to gathering. Um, it's been hard for us to gather, hasn't always been safe for us to gather, and so we have to consider what that looks like. Um, th- the fact of the matter is gathering isn't only limited to Sunday mornings. 
There are other opportunities for us to gather. And, and what we see here is that they're eating together. They're praying together. They're worshiping together. And so there had to be some kind of liking for one another. Um, I don't think everyone was best friends with everybody, but there was a, a legitimate joy of being together. I think that's one of the things that COVID has done to people is either realize like that gap of not being able to, to come together and the gap that we feel and sense in our lives when, when we can't gather with, with family, with friends, with, with other um, community together. There are challenges and difficulties in that, but that doesn't mean we necessarily stop in that. Do we, do we seek to find ways to gather and to uh, fellowship uh, with one another? I hope that at the branch, we can experience community in such a way that there's a desire for us to go back and, and to be together to want to spend time together. I hope that we can cultivate deeper relationships. And like I said, it's not always Sunday morning in a gathering together. It could be in the form of small groups or Bible studies or just hanging out. I mean, one of the things that they did in the book of Acts is they ate meals together. And again, some of us are going to be at different comfort levels at this moment in history. But um, are there still ways for us to do it? One of the things that I love about Virginia is that I get to be outside for longer than I did when I lived in New England. And into the, the later fall, we can enjoy weather without feeling like we need to bundle up to hang out outside. And so are there ways for us to gather outside of what's normal? You know, the, the book of uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews or the letter to the Hebrews said that um, the, the church needs to continue to gather and not forsake that. It's, it's easy for us to, to have a virtual worship service, but it's a little bit harder for us to virtually fellowship with one another. But it's still possible. And are we finding out-of-the-box ways, ways that we're all comfortable with to say, hey, we can keep gathering um, and I think one of the things that we need to remind ourselves over and over and over again, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this hopefully to my dying breath, that the church isn't a place, the church is a people. And we can come to a place on Sundays and gather together, but the moment that, um, that, that the church becomes more about a space than it does about a people is the minute that we need to go back again and look at what the church was in the book of Acts. Um, because it's not limited to a space that we go to a few times here and there. Um, it, it's a people. And when we realize that, then we'll, we'll realize the importance of that people in gathering together. And so first commitment is gathering. The second one is prayer. And they, they prayed together. There's something that I, I want to see more of here at the branch, you know, we've talked about that um, in a series before about what prayer looks like. And I think it, it always reminds me, I, again, this whole idea of focus coming back to the place of saying, what is it that I pray about? Because I firmly believe that you can tell a lot about um, how we see God based on how we talk to him. And prayer is how we talk to him. 
Are we just bringing our struggles and our desires to God in prayer? Or are we praying prayers about um, what God is doing in the world and how we are a part of it? Prayer isn't about getting what we want, but becoming who God wants us to be. Prayer won't change God. It should change us. And so we have to ask ourselves in the context of our praying to God, these conversations we have with God, are we doing all the talking or are we listening to? Is it a two-way conversation? When we pray, what do we pray for? Is it just for protection and provision? Again, during times like this, protection and provision are pretty high on my list of things that I pray for. But are we praying for other things outside of that? Are we praying for God's transformation in our lives? Are we praying um, that, that those who have yet to meet Jesus would meet him and that God could use us as, as a vehicle and a, an instrument by which others can know him? Do we pray that God would make more of himself in us every day? That prayer that John the Baptist prayed, that, that God would increase and that I would decrease. That's a hard prayer for us. In some ways, it's easier to pray those prayers of provision and protection, but when it comes to like those prayers that require something more of me, of me changing, of me being transformed, those are harder prayers. How about those prayers that are dangerous prayers to pray? Prayers like, hey, God, use me however you see fit, and then kind of go and like, wait for it. Because you know that God may call you into an uncomfortable place, an uncomfortable conversation, some kind of discomfort. Those aren't bad prayers. They may be uncomfortable prayers, but I think those are the prayers that we want to pray. Again, not to discount or diminish prayers for protection and provision and other things, but are we praying that, that God would use us in mighty ways and sometimes dangerous ways? Are we praying prayers that are big enough that only God can accomplish them? Because if we're not praying prayers that are that big, then, then our prayers are probably not big enough. We, we've got to ask ourselves, is this something I can do on my own or is this something that I know I need God's power and strength to accomplish? And so hopefully um, over the next months we'll, we'll have opportunities again um, to for people to be able to come by and just spend time in prayer. I, I've never been a fan of, of prayer meetings because they've always been, the prayer meetings that I've always attended have been all about like um, provision and protection prayers rather than those dangerous like transformation prayers. And so I, I hope that, that we can um, begin to experience that uh, here at the branch. And so um, gathering and praying and then giving as well, the third commitment is giving. Jesus said that where our treasure is there, our heart is always also. And so where do we give of ourselves and our resources? I've heard it said that you can tell a lot about what a person gives by looking at their checkbook and their calendar. And you find out, okay, where is my money going and where is the resource of my time going as well? The things that I invest in are we doing the work of the kingdom in what we're doing? And that doesn't mean that we're always at like a building or at the branch or at the church. 
Like I said, the church is a people, it's not a place. And so are we considering what it looks like to be giving our time to God as we serve in the community, as we serve in schools, as we serve on on boards and, and other things that we're a part of. It doesn't mean that the only time that you serve is when you're helping in children's program or you're, you're helping with worship and music or tech or, or something like that. Uh, if, if that's what people hear from me, then I'm, I'm not doing a good job communicating that. Because what we're giving um, needs to far be, be, be beyond the four walls of a building. It needs to be in the community, seeking to be about the kingdom work. And we're doing our best here, I think, at the branch to really seek to be part of God's kingdom work in this community. I'll, I'll say again, over and over again, that partnership is key. And instead of saying, hey, what, what are other places doing? I want to continue to say, hey, are we seeing what God is already at work, where God is already at work, and what he's already doing in the community? And can we partner with those people to really seek to serve and do kingdom work. We, we have a building, thank God we do, but it's not just to serve ourselves and to pat ourselves on the back and say, hey, um, now we're big boys and girls because we have a building. No, we, we have a building because this building is a means to an end of serving the community and saying, hey, how do we do kingdom work and partner together with other people. The moment that this building becomes just about us and what we get out of this space is the minute we need to go back to refocus again. You know, and I was so blessed this summer to see this building used by the Community Service Board, to see this building used by the YMCA and their Bright Beginnings program, and to see us kicking off a tutoring program uh, next month Um, for the kids in Ashland. What an opportunity it is for us because God's blessed us with a building to say, hey, this isn't all about us. Um, And I think when the church makes the buildings that they have all about them, that's why we get confused as the body of Christ because it becomes about us and fulfilling our needs rather than looking at a bigger kingdom need than ourselves. Are we getting back to the Great Commission where Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I commanded and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Are we really looking to see people's lives changed and transformed by the gospel? How much of our resources, our time, our talent, our energy are we giving to back to God? How much are we giving to other people? Do we give to expand God's kingdom? And are we seeking ways that, that we can do that? And are we doing a good job of saying, hey, there are places to serve both here on a Sunday, but also Monday through Saturday out in the community as well? Where and how are we giving? And, and this is something that I think over the course of our lives, of our journeys in discipleship, is something that grows. 
that um, it, it's, it's like going to the gym and working a certain muscle. You know, you don't start out, you know, curling 70 pounds with each arm. You've got to start small. And even when it comes to giving, like you've got to start small, but don't be satisfied with that. Keep saying, God, what are you calling me into to give of myself, of my time, my talent, of my resources? And then number four, the, the fourth commitment it is serving as well. You know, that's part of our giving and it's done through serving in some capacity. And have we learned to serve? I think one of the ways that we have, that the church has, has failed, and I mean the, the big C church has failed, is that um, we've forgotten to think beyond a Sunday in regards to service. We've forgotten to think about where we can use the God-given talents that we have, um, not only to, to grow the body, but more importantly, to grow the kingdom, kingdom of God. Is God creating a place here at, uh, at the branch where service is just limited to Sunday mornings? I hope not. I, I hope that we're thinking outside of Sundays in regards to service. If our perspective of service is that it only happens to the church and for the church, then we need to expand that perspective again. We need to come back to um, God's instructions for his church to say, are we, are we serving the community? I quote Jeremiah 29 often when the people were in a discomfort, in an uncomfortable place that God still um, said, hey, we want you to seek the peace and prosperity of the place where I've planted you. And so can you do that? Can, can we be about seeking the peace and prosperity of Ashland and the places where God has put us in our jobs and our schools and in the other places that we are? And are we serving in that capacity? And then the final thing that, um, that I think is a commitment is, is inviting, is, is inviting people to be part of the community that is the church, capital C. I firmly believe that people want to be bigger, want to be part of something bigger than themselves, something that, that matters, something that makes a difference. That's one of the most compelling things, I think, that draws people to want to experience God. It's when they see people not just speaking about something, but actually living into what they say is important to them. One of the things that, uh, again, I think the church has, has failed in is that we've put the cart before the horse and we've, we've put things like um, worship services and music and programs and, and preaching as, as the main thing rather than saying these are vehicles, these are avenues by which we, we hear, we learn, and then we go out and we live what we hear. But when we're failing to live what we hear, what we read, what God is doing in us, then um, people are not going to see a compelling reason why the gospel is something that's life-changing and transforming. You know, what would the community around us look like if we're no longer here? I think that's a good litmus test for us to say, hey, are we 
showing a compelling vision of, of the gospel? Are we really showing people that this matters, that this is something important? Like, if we're not here, if the branch were to close, would anybody even notice tomorrow? Would people say, man, oh, well, that John, he was a nice guy, and I met a couple people from there, and they were nice. Or will they say, man, there's going to be a, a, a gap now because of the way that they loved, of the way that they served. Now, that's my vision. That's what I would love to see is that we see people missing um, or, or wanting to be part of something and want to invest in something because it's important to us. Verse 47 says that um, the Lord added to their number. You know, why? I, I don't think for any minute that the people who were gathering in the second chapter of Acts, that they said, hmm, how do we get more people here? Are we doing the right things to get people here? I think they lived into these principles, into these commitments, and people just started coming because they said, there's something different here. There's something that I've not found in other places. They're being faithful to what God had called them to, and numbers actually was the, kind of the manifestation of how they obeyed God's command. They didn't focus on numbers, um, but because they were being faithful to what God called them to, um, God grew them up. And I think when we experience this, we want others to have that same experience. Have you ever gone to um, a, a museum, an art museum, or you've gone to a concert or a good restaurant, something like that, when you experience something good in that. You want to share it with other people. Say, hey, can I tell you about what I saw? Can I tell you about what I heard? Can I tell you about what I ate? I think you should experience that as well. It's funny because I feel like we do that really well with certain things in our lives. Like we have no hesitation whatsoever to share good things with other people. But I don't think we do that with Jesus as much. That if we're really experiencing something life-changed, life-altering in the gospel of Jesus Christ, why aren't we telling people the same way we do when we eat at a good restaurant or go see a good exhibit in a museum? Why are we keeping it to ourselves? We shouldn't be inviting people to become and be part of the branch or be part of our community because I tell you to or because you feel guilted into it. You should do it because um, of what, we, what we've experienced. Because we're experiencing something that we can't find anywhere else. That, that the love of Jesus Christ, the transformation that happens in us is something that, that we can't find anywhere else. And, you know, I've been part of a local expression of the body of Christ, of the church, for a long time. And I've seen people who have said, you know what, I'm not getting what I want here. I'm not um, getting filled here. And I, I often wonder if people who, who say that stop and ask themselves, like, what am I giving to this? Am I giving... And, and am I expecting to get something 
when I'm not giving anything. Again, that's why I think the language of partnership is important. And I touched on this briefly last week that I think um, we get what we give. And if we are willing to invest in something, then we will see that. If we're willing to partner in something, then I think we'll see that. But if we're just seeking to, to, take, to take and to consume, um, then that's probably not um, a place that we're going to find um, fulfillment uh, and flourishing at all. And so um, what do we do with this? I think the really big thing for us to all ask ourselves is what does it mean to take the next step in partnership and commitment? You know, when we sit back and we look at, at these five commitments, asking ourselves, how am I doing in these? Like, am I showing myself committed? And, and is there something else that I need to do to step up? I mean, I have been so, so thrilled at just seeing people do that. And, and, and again, one of the things that I've been passionate about is saying, hey, how can I plug you in to a place that's going to make you feel on purpose, make you feel like you're flourishing. I don't want to just throw you in because, hey, there's a need here, so, hmm, you look like you might be able to do it, like you've got a heartbeat. No. Like, how do, how do we find places that we can step into? You know, one case in point, this past week, we, we've got um, somebody who's been part of the branch who... Um, has a gift, an artistic gift, and, um, and she has used that multiple times um, to bless people in the community, especially in this partnership that we have with the school. And so the other day, um, a few of us went over and just gave um, some of her artwork over to Gandhi Elementary, which has been one of our community partners. And just to see the face of the woman who uh, is the receptionist over there light up when we delivered this to her. And she said, this is going to be so great for people to see this welcome the school sign when they show up. You know, it, it wasn't anything huge and like monumental. It was something that um, she just, we aligned, hey, what are your gifts and how can we use that to, to really bless our community partners? And so some of that might be require a conversation. You know, maybe that's part of, the con part of the next step for you is to say, hey, I, I need to know a little bit more about my strengths, a little bit more about, you know, how I can fit and how I can do things that are going to lead to kingdom service but also lead to my own flourishing. So ask yourself that. Ask yourself, what might be the next step? Maybe it means that you get baptized because you've never been baptized before. Maybe it means that you seek out an intentional discipleship relationship with somebody um, so that you can say, hey, I need to learn more about what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ or, or for study or for service or giving. Whatever that might look like, don't feel like you've got to figure it out on your own. Reach out, send, send us an email at thebranchashland at gmail.com or, or give me a call, send me, me an email um, and see what we can do together um, because we are not islands. God didn't call the church to be like one and one and one. He called us to be together. And so how can we seek to serve in a flourishing way together for the kingdom of God? Let me pray for us. God, thank you.
Thank you for choosing uh, a very unlikely means by which your kingdom would be built. And I pray, God, that you would remind us every day um, that you've called us to something higher, something bigger than ourselves, but you didn't do it and then just leave us. You called us into something and then equipped us to be able to accomplish that. And so, Father, I pray that you would use us, remind us of who we are in you, remind us of the gifts that you've given us, and may we be faithful to all that you've done. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Who are you partnering with and committing to? Wherever you are, God is calling you to be part of something bigger than yourself. The church is made up of many local expressions of the community of God. What are you doing to be part of that? Not just in attending, but in serving and giving and praying and inviting others to come along and experience who God is and how he is working in the world. I pray that God's spoken to you today and that in the days ahead, you'll consider how you might seek to partner together with a local expression of God's church, wherever it is that you are, in such a way that God uses you and the gifts that he's given you to bring him glory and to expand his kingdom in the world. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you have any comments or questions, please email us at thebranchashland at gmail.com. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, give us a review, and share with your friends wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.